Section one of Through Broadland in a Braden Punt by John Nolittle, a pseudonym of the writer and naturalist Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapters one and two. Chapter one. The voyage begins. As I had a boat, my next design was to make a tour. I fitted up a little mast and made a sail to it. Then I built lockers or boxes to put provisions, necessaries, etc. into, to be kept dry either from rain or spray. At last I resolved on my tour. From Robinson Crusoe For months, at odd moments, the Yarwhelp punt my Braden ship of these twenty-six years had been under review, guessing, calculating, measuring her capacities for a lengthy Broadland tour, and then fitted with shears, awning, and sundry, in order to make the voyage at least a comfortable one. I intended to get afloat on the first day of the school holidays, losing no time, being eager like Crusoe, to view the circumference of my little kingdom. "'For God's sake,' said Jari, the Braden bird-watcher, "'don't start on a Friday, for of all the unlucky days.' He still said, "'Don't,' when I promised to pitch my tent hard by his houseboat in the centre of Braden. "'I shan't be there.' So, to please his superstitious feeling on the matter, I started the day before. But it was a rafty, hefty day, and the Yarwhelp small lugsail made the most of a slant of wind, cleaving the brown tide under a grey-brown sky with a rare fuss, leaving behind her a wake of seething waters that made our progress less speedy than it appeared to be. Braden was deserted, a solitary smelt-boat and an amateur fisherman eel-picking were all that represented a lost race, recalling to mind the lament of Baruch, the friend of Jeremiah, Apocrypha, who thus wrote, They that had their pastime among the fowls of the air, they are vanished and gone down to the grave and others are coming up in their steads. But the newcomers follow not in their sire's footsteps. The glory, too, of the old estuary has departed, and all are well-nigh forgotten. However, there came from the drains the hoarse cries of herons and the call of curlews. The returned black-headed gulls with their mottled young made merry upon the ooze a worming, and once in a while there came a lesser turn to its squealing young on the muds with a tiny herring between its mandibles. So steady was the mist-laden breeze that the punt but once jibed its penguin's wing, the swan wing of a pleasure-wary hard astern going over at the same moment. My old tub laid well to her work, with her load of bedding and tutraments sinking her to the water-line. 
it had been my intention to moor for the night in the drain beside jarry's houseboat but with such a goodly wind and tide i pressed on for there seemed the possibility of a roughish night coming along in a little under the hour the yarwhelp was slapping along on the waves made by the meeting of the wind and the waters of the river but for the sharp murmuring of the toughless and lanky reeds there was scant music along the lower reaches of the waveney the redshanks no longer clamoured for Braden had wooed them a flock of fifty lapwings off to the wireworm's haunt passed over without a peewit each will no doubt devour a hundred before morning five thousand less to do mischief and the birds are not likely though persecuted and unpaid to go on strike like so many other hungry earth workers we put up a small lot of common sandpipers and three or four young herons who were a-fishing on the margin the day was not over cheerful whilst passing yachtsmen looked pinched and subdued and their womenkind were clad in waterproofs instead of gaudy yachting fell the rowels the monotony of the reed beds on either bank was not inspiring the only break in those dreary miles of them was pettingills pump mill and farm premises a picture always in summer or winter for an artist's pencil the bridge we came to shortly after a sharp bend in the river is stronger than beautiful but johnson's houseboat cutting a stone's throw from it is as pretty a water lover's rendezvous with its willows through which peep rich red tiles and hoary thatches as any one will discover in broadland as i turned the punt's nose into farmer means cutting i passed a solitary angler ledgering in the deep strong tide who rejoiced over a few goodly outwitted bream flats lashing the yarwhelp to her parent ship the moorhen the second i soon had the kettle going and then snugged down for the night the sunset trying to smile but its efforts were marred by frowning clouds and fiery gleams of colouring that night and the next were as cold as if it were march but a strip of canvas between the rugs brought comfort i like this quiet cutting one is out of the way of traffic there is a good dry bank and the hanger at the rear of the pretty little farm is heather-clad and adorned by fir-trees whilst the marshland stretches away to a far horizon on the frontage st olive's too is a through-water station and not a terminus and unbeloved of those who like an excess of gaiety regattas and other water frolics it is a rare houseboating corner and no two boats are alike as elsewhere reminding a birdman of summertime roughs everyone seems to be his own designer in this particular hobby 
on the friday i had two young damsels in to tea at the moorhen the second friends from a norfolk village that reeks with folklore and superstitious fads which we discussed a tablecloth for a luxury and a glass bowl of nasturtiums with terracotta crimson yellow and creamy petals from the farm gave a ladylike dainty touch to the skipper's cabin as did a silken cosy which they had brought that bonneted the old bachelor's teapot i caught a half-grown field vole farmer means young white wyandots catch many on the marsh athwart the dyke i popped the wee thing into an eel bucket its beady eyes following my every movement whilst a wisp of dry grass thrown in it at once began nibbling and i had hoped a nest-making next morning it had eaten nearly all its own bulk and more we got on good terms next morning and he ate fresh grass as i threw blades in holding them like a squirrel nor did he wince but laid his ears to listen when i spoke to him animals in captivity get to like the human voice did i do right i turned him out alive and let him go a wicked little field mouse too then i went to see the farmer's new dutch bull calf whose mother is of some renown i named the magnificent youngster paul potter and the farmer stood sponsor let's hope said he he'll bring me luck for i had tried to remember the value of the great painted world-renowned original and now for dr wynne's two cuckoos the friendly doctor was delighted to tell me that a pied wagtail he believed the male was constantly upon his tennis lawn and in the garden gleaning up insects wholesale for these hungry bird louts i crept into the garden and skulked to the lawn there on a garden seat sat a cuckoo patient but domineering on the wall sat another the poor little slave of a wagtail was tripping jumping dodging upon the close mown lawn catching insects flies i think ten in a minute by my count and the minute hand away it dashed to the smaller cuckoo which opened its mouth and the flies were popped in did one fall it was quickly whipped up and the cave received it the bird moving its mandibles as the nurse flew down as if masticating the titbits when a cuckoo alighted on a tennis post the wagtail stood on the big bird's shoulders which turned its head to take these gifts poor little drudge like an alley washwoman toiling to keep a loafing husband in tobacco and beer money when number one was well filled number two began to beg and each gathering was stored in his barn number one remaining quiescent merely chewing the cud as it were once only in three watchings 
did I observe the larger and older cuckoo put a grub into the other's mouth. All day long this goes on. Put it at ten insects a minute, five lots in as many minutes, and then deny that the wagtail is a useful little fool. Work out the sum total, if you care to. I turned in early, hoping for a kindly new moon and a sunny sky next day, but all the day's new pictures were painted in a monotone of grey. As I write, it is growing dusk, and the yarwhelp lies rocking on the swell made by many Alton motor screws. Chapter 2 On Sullen Waveney Thus far from the beaten highways and the dust and din of travel, we beheld the country privately, yet freely, and at our leisure. The river steals into the scenery it traverses without intrusion, silently creating and adorning it. By Thurrow. At Circumspect Alton Broad, I hitched one painter to a signboard bearing the curt warning, No mooring or landing. And I naturally did both. It is rarely that I read notice boards, and if challenged on suspicion, I usually end up on good terms with the aggrieved one, and we shake and then hobnob. In this instance, I made friends, as usual. A soft tongue is a fine healing for bruised feelings. My impressions of Alton have, like its open-faced broad, improved. A big malt house or two have not, perhaps, added dignity or exclusiveness, but they impress. From the train windows, the broad used to seem to me a jumble of crowded craft, yachts, houseboats, dinghies, but today it is as orderly as was Scarpa Flow with its greater fleet. The yachts lay at rest, tethered as regularly as cavalry horses. The motorboats, a flotilla of them, berthed in a coop-like corner, like freshly bathed ducks, each and all having elbow room. But the waste petrol drifts uglily across the waters, smelly, acrid, discolouring. The broad is narrow, so much so that every stone thrown in ripples concentrics to the very borders, whilst each puffing motorboat slopping off home to roost or out of frolicking, and they kept it up till nearly eleven that Sunday night, sets the yarwhelp fretfully bumping against the keyhead on those little rollers that do not break or spray. After late tea, it got kinda lonely and solemn, so the skipper shot his cushion bed, his rugs, etc., from the kit bags, snugging down a hardish couch on the floor, as in a big fiddle case, the very name old Braden friends christened her on her launch in 1893. With her awning up like a conning tower, to some Altonians and yachts folk who see the turnout, 
she is now known as the submarine and looks not unlike one i had not slept two hours when a squeal outside on the foredeck announced a visit from a couple of amorous rats who were out for a stroll with a nose for plunder as well how they niffed a shortcake left on the mast angle through that everlasting burnt coffee-like smell from the malt house to winnard sets me wondering but a tap on the awning and a harsh word from me was followed by a scampering of small feet they took the kindly hint and jumped on the wharf again i knew they'd pluck up heart again so i unhitched and paddled to an adjacent yacht hitched a painter to her and let her slew with the wind this in the still midnight hour with the clear heavens above head a wilderness of stars bright and beautiful the only noises of the night were an occasional cry from a wakeful night flyer and the sluss of big bream rolling as porpoises do i felt sleepless a while and lonely so i called to mind and did like mark twain's huckleberry finn feeling pretty satisfied but by and by it got sort of lonesome and so i went and sat on the bank and listened to the currents washing along and counted the stars and then went to bed there ain't no better way to put in time when you are lonesome you can't stay so you soon get over it and thus did i as no doubt many a boating man had done before me as i lay restful memories of other days afloat on alton came to mind among them most forcibly a stiff tussle i had with a pugnacious swan whose mate i inadvertently disturbed upon her nest and shortly i must have fallen to sleep again whilst upon the broad i received several little courtesies which made norfolk dumpling find silly suffolk just all right but why silly i have read somewhere that cellar meant holy and had reference to the number of churches or things of that sort but names get adulterated both in spelling and in meaning of course a suffolk yokel did once they say dig a well and puzzled as to the disposal of the soil dug another hole to bury it in and so on ad infinitum another trimmed his greedy ducks bills to match the hens said he you shan't shovel your grub pick up the barley and feed fair as the hens do one at a time but the cake was made by a yokel suffolk sportsman a chum had brought down a sparrow to his gun which fell in the bracken i'll fetch him said the fellow and on finding only a dead frog held it up in surprise remarking well dial my buttons jim you've killed him but by king george if you hain't blowed every bloomin feather off on em 
a bradwell yarn that on monday the twenty eighth i set sail or tried to for borough st peter but the yarwhelp being flat-bottomed and keelless has a bad habit of edging to leeward in narrow waters so i rowed but the tide being against me i did not rip along as on more favourable occasions halfway i drew into a reed gap letting the thick of the tacking yachts go by one young skipper cleverer than most should have been a barber but had got into the wrong uniform he rather annoyed some by his recklessness or bravado i sat with folded arms and took a nap under the lee i went ashore once and walked quarter-deck to stretch my legs on the river walls the local cows much wondering two sedge warblers in the reeds were fussing about i went closer and on seeing a short-flighted stumpy-tailed youngster fluttering among the reeds shot out my hand gently but with speed and caught the little fellow and pressed its warm soft palpitating body against my cheek never mind tiny dicky bird i mean no harm but you have given pleasure to a lonely old migrant waterfowl and i let him jump on to a bent reed stem to the delight of his anxious parents hurt him no i learnt in those old zoo days the knack of catching hold of birds cockatoos waxbills hawks swans what not a bunch of amused yacht folk came round me at the waveney hotel stave where i had thrown a homemade tin stove ashore an old can unsoldered picked off a scrap iron heap that has been fitted with a light grating and three small legs where's your firewood asked one here said i lifting one of the bottom boards where under lay rows of inch thick chopping wood made to fit like tessellated pavements and to save my room economizing space said another well if you couldn't give points to a boy scout where's the chopper i threw him a pork butcher's small cleaver also salvaged from the scrap heap i soon had a saucepan of tea a-boiling and then in a fry-pan amidst wholesome dripping fried some bread slices an economic dinner space and co limited i remarked and so they left me laughing to my frugal feed the old ugly chinese puzzle box sort of church steeple looking down on me a steeple which nature is kindly clothing with beauty in the shape of ivy as if from very shame of it now let me give my bald notes washed up mopped down the yarwhelp's decks and washed self needed it off again fair jolly wind rushing against the ebb like a steamer reeds reeds nothing but reeds after sankey's hymnal some meadow sweet showing three anglers in a boat 
business apparently slow, calling to mind set of five verses, written by the Reverend I.S. Watson, Miss Watson, Dean Ingram, Bishop Brown, and John Nolittle. Upon the river's bank serene, a fisher stood where all was green, and looked at the Reverend I.S. Watson. He saw, just as the light grew dim, the fish, or else the fish saw him, and hooked it, Miss Watson. His pipe, by luck, he'd not forgot. He filled with backer on the spot, and smoked it, John Nolittle. He took, with high erected comb, the fish, or else the story home, and cooked it, Dean Ingram. Recording angels by his bed, weighed all that he had done, or said, and booked it, Bishop Brown. More reads, still more, tens of miles of them in duplicate, rarely a house, never a farmhouse. When will Beckles appear? Hello? Two floating bottles and an empty tin. Looks as if we are nearing America, said Christopher Columbus. At nine, staked down beside an old eelman's hut, took a stomatic from one of my medicine bottles, and then built my wigwam over the well of the punt. Note, had a half-hour's glorious sunshine on the way, for which praise accorded, for up till now the weather had been moist and gloomy. End of section one.